On today's Court Vision Blogs podcast, we have special guest Dennis Gorman. He is a freelance writer with the Associated Press and Newsday. He covers the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. We talk a lot about the NBA draft, uh, free agency, what it leads for the New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, It it was a fun interview with Dennis. I can't thank him enough for coming on. Really enjoyed talking basketball with him. I learned a lot about the Nets and their community and how they rebuilt their team. It is a fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. We will also be talking about the NBA draft very briefly, the biggest surprises in the draft, and the not-so-biggest surprises in the draft, along with NBA free agency news. Let's go. NBA Draft Night 2019 and your New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson. Well, congratulations to New Orleans Pelicans for being able to get the first pick of the draft through the lottery. And Zion Williamson is a great pickup for this team, along with their second pick, Jackson Hayes, I think, who is underrated pick. I think they're going to do very well within the next two or three years. This is a good-looking team with the young assets that they have between Ball, Ingram, Josh Hart. Now you have Jackson Hayes and Zion Williamson. It's a fresh, young-looking starting lineup with Drew Holiday, who brings that veteran presence. This team is going to be flipped around within two or three years. We're going to see the New Orleans Pelicans' names in the playoffs, at least starting out with a seven seed one year and then going into a three or four a couple years later. This is excellent, very exciting time for them, an exciting time to be a uh, Pelicans fan. I know New Orleans is all pumped up. They had a video of them. They were so excited. People were going nuts. They had a party in the streets. I wish I was there at the party. They had some guy on ESPN crowd surfing. Unbelievable. It looked like a lot of fun. It looks like he's already being embraced. He already came out with Zion hats, Zion t-shirts, and the Pelicans logo. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun watching him play, watching him grow along as a player. Uh, The next two picks, you know, they weren't surprises, even though the Knicks had some rumors going on. But uh, John Morant goes to Memphis. We knew that was going to happen. Memphis had traded Mike Conley before the draft to Utah. Ja is going to be a great fit for this team. Is going to bring a lot to the table for them. I think they're going to see a superstar in the rising, someone that works hard, someone who's super athletic. Um, you could be a, a Russ, West Westbrook 2.0. We'll see. And then R.J. Barrett getting drafted to the Knicks. Uh, Dennis and I will talk about this uh, in our interview, but R.J. Barrett to the Knicks is just great pickup for them i think he is the best player in the draft i think he just has the best all-around game reminds me a lot of james harden can score savvy left-handed player um you know scores gets to the basket gets fouled uh creates his own shot the only thing that nick bad thing they had to say about him is three-point shot but you can work on that you're in the nba that's what you have coaches for and that's what you have shooting coaches for um, but going forward after draft, some picks were very surprising, um, and I was pretty happy with a lot of teams' drafts. But my two big surprises, though, we'll jump into those, uh, was Tyler Hero um, for Miami. Unbelievable pick by them. This this shows you where Miami's focused on. It's the three-point game. And then same thing with Cam Johnson, another person uh, who is a three-point specialist. Um, picked by Phoenix in the lottery with the 11th pick. Uh, two guys that I did not expect to go in the lottery. So, I guess pretty high. I guess picked over a Romeo Langford. But this just goes to show you where the NBA is going. Guys are looking for people who can knock down three-pointers. Three and these guys are knocked down three-point shooters. And it's going to be exciting to see them and how well they fit with their teams. Um, some other guys I was pretty happy with Rui Hachimura, a great pickup reminds me of a young Jabari Parker before the injuries um, a Jabari Parker that they can probably bring out to the three point line once he develops that game but he is a post up player with a mid range game but Rui Hachimura definitely a great pick for the Washington Wizards um, you know we're looking at you know DeAndre Hunter was another pickup DeAndre Hunter and the T-Wolves um, I think they got the same player in D with Jarrett Culver went to the T-Wolves, and DeAndre Hunter went to the Hawks. Very, very, very interesting uh, two pickups. I think both guys are hardworking, super athletic, great basketball players with a lot to come. I think Jarrett Culver might be one of my favorite players in this draft um, just because of his heart, 
how Artie's worked, a guy who barely got noticed in high school, then ended up playing in Texas Tech, had a great, you know, had an okay freshman year, and then went and had a great sophomore year, taking Texas Tech to the finals and just falling short. So it was very, very interesting, good pickup for the T-Wolves. See where how well he plays, see how quickly he gets in, into that young lineup that they have already. Uh, and DeAndre Hunter is going to make a big difference for Atlanta, being that fourth, third swingman that can um, play very good defense. As long as he can develop an outside shot, which I believe he can, you're looking at a great young Atlanta Hawks team. Um, the rest of the NBA draft, there was a lot of trades. My Celtics got Romeo Langford, my guy. I think that's going to be underrated, and I think he's going to be rookie of the year. Um, just he's a great player. He has a lot of toughness. Um, he's not afraid to take it to the basket. He just needs to work on three point shooting again. Once again, here in the NBA, you're going to be able to develop that three point shooting. Um, all right, now on to the interview. Like I said, this was going to be quick draft overview. The interview with Dennis uh, went close to an hour. A lot of fun. Great NBA talk. Uh, Dennis knows his stuff about the NBA. We're definitely going to have him on again, but it was a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy his interview. Here's Dennis Gorman of the Associated Press and Newsday. For those who don't know, we're on uh, this is Court Vision blog, and Dennis Gorman has joined us. Uh, he works for the Newsday. He covers the New York Nets, uh, the New York Knicks, and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and he's coming on to talk to us about the draft, uh, give us some, fr- talk about some free agency. Um, so let's let's go, Dennis. Here we, here we go. Um, so what what were your, what was the Knicks' thought on the drafting Barrett? Like, I think that was the first time that they. I think I heard Knicks fans cheer for a draft pick in a long time. Yeah, I'm guessing the last time they cheered for a draft pick might have been Patrick Ewing. <laughs> um, so, good for them. Uh, Scott Perry, when he spoke with uh, with reporters after the call, he after the draft pick on, on a conference call, he said that the, the Knicks had on their draft board three players that they felt separated themselves from the rest of the draft class. Uh, I'm pre- he said Barrett was one, and I'm going to go out on a limb and presume Ja Morant and Zion Williamson were the other two picks. <laughs> that's a heck that's of a limb to go out on. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was, I was, I was thinking it might have been uh, uh, someone overseas or something like that. They would have been picking. Yeah, exactly. So... So they, uh, oh, they were kind of – their draft's focus was getting – they felt confident they were going to get one of those three kids. And when, uh, when, when New Orleans took uh, Zion 1 and Memphis you know, took Morant 2, Barrett was the easy and obvious call for them. So what were the rumors with uh, Darius Garland, with them working it out? I heard several rumors that they were thinking about picking him. Um, was that just because he got flown in late and the media kind of jumped all over, or was it just something that um, it was a thought, but then realizing that Barrett was there, that they they had to take him? I mean, I think Barrett was the uh, choice pretty much from the get go. I think uh, when they worked out Barrett, uh, when they I'm sorry, when they worked out the kid from Vanderbilt and Kobe. Uh, uh, Kobe Jones from UNC. I think that's his name. Kobe White. Kobe White. Co- yeah. Co- thank you, Kobe White. Yeah, no I think that was them just doing their due diligence. But uh, uh, but uh, Scott Perry said when Barrett came into the met with the uh, met with Nick's people, the coaches, the G, uh, the front office staff, the training staff, he won everyone over. So it was pretty much uh, a unanimous across the board choice to take rj barrett that's that's great i mean they end up with a great player um a very savvy uh you know left-handed guy from canada who can who can take the ball do they have see any um the you know do you see them building around this team building around barrett or do you think with free agency they're going to try their best or is like Barrett like a sell point for them in free agency i think barrett is probably going to be 
Barrett, I think he and Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson are going to be pieces that they try to build around. Uh, I, I think, I don't think they're going to be, I, I do think they're going to try to make an offer. They'll make an offer. They'll make a pitch to uh, Kevin Durant. I'm not necessarily sure Kevin Durant may sign with them, but I do think for the first time in a very long time, they can point to multiple young players as saying, look, we, we have some pieces in place that are going to get better at the same time. And then they don't have to overpaying free agency for someone who is good, but has, has to be, has to play the role of savior as Amari Stoudemire had to play that role at one point, And Carmelo Anthony had to play that role at one point. And I, and I don't think that necessarily works out. Yeah. I think with when you have guys like that, with like a Kevin Knox, who he had a, like a really good season. I think it was kind of unexpectedly have a good season. Like he averaged uh, twelve points a game, um, and you have a Mitchell Robinson, and they also have Tim Hardaway Jr. If I'm not mistaken, no, and, he, uh, uh, Tim Tim Hardaway Jr. was part of the Porzingis trade, but they oh. got but they got back DeAndre Jordan in that trade and uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Jr. That's who it is. Yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. And I think they, you know, they do have some good pieces that are attractive to, you know, that would attract to Kevin Durant. And I think I could see them. I, you know, it would be nice to see. As a, I'm a Celtics fan, but you know, it would be nice to see the Knicks, like some, like that team, come back to life and make the playoffs and have good runs and, um, you know, bring back some old rivalries too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it would be a positive for the league if the Knicks are good because obviously it's the league's biggest media market. It's one of its marquee franchises. Uh, so yeah, a, a good. A good Knicks team, just like a good Yankees team, a good Mets team, a good New York Rangers hockey team, is is, is I think good for for the, their respective leagues. Uh, with that said, I think there's uh, I mean, going back to what um, Scott Perry said, they f- they feel very comfortable with their plan of drafting and developing players. That you know, I, I don't think they f- and I don't think they feel a need to be uh, feel a need to speed up their timeline. In fact, I know Friday they had sort of a uh, they had a press conference at the Garden with with R.J. Barrett and the uh, and the kid from Michigan that they got in the second round. And Scott Perry spoke about pay, needing patient, you know, New York fans needing to be patient that there is that there is a plan in place and you know that it's going to bear fruit. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I think RJ Barrett honestly might be the best player in this draft. I, you know, I, I think Zion's a great player. Um, someone that averaged, you know, 22, you know, 22 points in college, but you know, I think RJ just has more of the all around game. A lot of NBA analysts were comparing him to James Harden. Um, the only thing I think the only thing, the thing that I noticed with R.J. Barrett's weakness is from just watching some uh, Duke games um, is he played a lot of hero ball, but I don't think he'll have to do that as much in the NBA. But I think his like style of play kind of fits a little bit better in um, the NBA because it's more spread floor and he can drive the basket a lot more. Yeah, and and I think the and I know I wrote about this in in my AP story on draft night. Barrett was was overshadowed by Zion Williamson in college because Zion was a nightly highlight reel. But if you look at the stats, R.J. Barrett led Duke and the ACC in scoring. So that's that, that that's a credit to him and he, as because he led the conference in scoring as a freshman. That's that's impressive. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough conference too to lead to lead a uh, lead the team in scoring as a freshman with the ACC a, a, uh, a. being so stacked as it is. Yes, ab- absolutely. So that's that's a hell of an accomplishment. And then, yeah. like and like you said, the college game. I mean, you there's more zone defenses being played, whereas the NBA it's more of a it's a spread league. And if you can beat someone off the dribble and I think Barrett can beat some guys off the dribble. He can get to the rim and he can finish. 
the the one area that uh, Scott Perry pointed to as 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 an area that he's going to that Barrett's going to have to work on is his perimeter shooting, but he felt confident that Barrett had the fundamentals and the mechanics down pat. It's just a case of becoming more consistent, knocking down from three. And and I think that's something that will come with time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think any um, guy that's in the NBA who wants a, that enough, can they can develop that three-pointer. And especially now in today's NBA game, you definitely, I think you, you really need that three-pointer because everyone's playing that spread offense. I mean, look at Brooke Lopez this year. It was like he was unbelievable from the three-point line in the playoffs. It was kind of crazy. He shot better than Kyrie did against the Celtics. Yeah, it's interesting. I covered a net uh, a, a, a Bucks Brooklyn Nets game right at the end of the season, and Kenny Atkinson said, "I guess it was right before the end of the season, right before that game." He, I guess, he was uh, thinking back to a time when he was an assistant coach. And he talked to Brooke Lopez about developing a three-point shot as far as – and his argument was it will make you a more well-rounded player. You know, it will open up another avenue for, for you as a scorer. And he and Atkinson joked, he said, I wish I never taught him that. Because, <laughs> because all of a sudden now you have a seven-footer who – has who has a pretty solid post game can now take people out to the three point line and hit with regularity, and if people play him too tight, he can drive by them or set up Giannis at the rim. So you know the the, the Bucks, you know the the, the Bucks have a, a multifaceted weapon there. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and the Bucks like to take a big step. I mean, just with like him, he's playing well, and then they had Chris Middleton, and then Giannis obviously took a giant step. And I think with the higher coach Budenhauser, just they took a whole different, they went in a whole different direction. I think a lot of people weren't expecting. No, they they absolutely made a jump, and you start looking at that te- that team, especially if they if they're able to key up, keep Giannis uh, for a for a long time. That's going to be a tough team to beat in, in the East for for a decade. Oh, yeah. That's like they – and the way Giannis made that jump, and if he develops a jump shot, it's kind of – it's a different story with him now because now you don't have to worry about just, like, closing the paint on him. You have to worry about him getting by you on that first step if he starts knocking down threes or anything like that. It's going to be an interesting – very interesting offseason for him to see how well he develops. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know I tweeted at one point uh, during the playoffs uh, that I, I that I watching him play against the Knicks and the Nets this year, and my comparison was he has Scottie Pippen length with a Carl Malone body. That's and a great how, comparison. <laughs> and, and, and and how do you defend that? And then all of a sudden, if you're telling me he's going to develop a jump, sh- a consistent jump shot, like you know, let's say like Michael Jordan had, I, I don't know how you defend that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't think you can defend that. You have to put at least a double team on him consistently. But, you know, now that leaves other guys open. But it's still, yeah. he's just unbelievably so strong. Like, I was so taken back the way he played in the playoffs. And, like, because I don't get the NBA package, but, like, you know, catch a couple buck games here and there. And then being able to watch him play, it's like, oh, whoa, this guy is unbelievable. <laughs> Oh yeah, he, he's an absolute monster, and the, and the frightening part is he's only 22, 23 years old, maybe twenty four. So there, there is still room to grow, and that's something that Mike Budenholzer has talked about. He said he hasn't reached. He said that Giannis has not reached his ceiling yet, which it is a. If you're an opposing team, that's a frightening thought because how much better does this guy get? You know, is he a guy that can consistently? Average a triple double, you know. Yeah, it's, it's it's scary. It's it's totally it's just like unbelievably scary. And it's like I think he would be like a Durant, but with just a, a much much stronger Kevin Durant. That's the way I look at it. That that's a that's a great comparison. Yeah, I mean he he could be, you know, Kevin Durant with um, uh, you know, with, with a Carl Malone body, which is just frightening to yeah, think about. Yeah, it's freaky. <laughs> 
Um, so let's jump to the let's jump to Brooklyn. What do you sure. what are your thoughts on Brooklyn's offseason? You know, the, I thought they had a hell of a year last year. Obviously, making the jump from uh, twenty eight wins to you know forty two, getting into the first round of the playoffs, playing Philly pretty tough in that first round. Um, I know a lot of people in the league were praiseworthy of Brooklyn when they would come into Barclays Center. They would talk about how Brooklyn has garnered some positive attention around the league. And now you start looking at the fact that, okay, they've carved out a lot of salary cap space. They're, they're kind of, they're team trending. They're an organization trending in the right direction. And also it's like, well, you know, Kyrie's interested in them. And there's rumors that Durant might be interested, interested in them. And then, and then you start thinking about some of the other people that they have there. Um, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Jarrett Allen. And then you can think, well, you know, if they get one or two top-end guys, they can make a jump from being maybe a 42-win team to a 50-win team. And maybe instead of an 8-seed, they're a 5-seed. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now they might be able to compete in the East. Yeah, I mean... I, it's interesting with the Kyrie rumors and the Kevin Durant rumors because I've read a few things where that if they, Kyrie can't lure Kevin Durant to come, they might not even sign him, which is very interesting. But it's also interesting, too, because I think D'Angelo Russell had one hell of a year with them. Yes. And the maturity of him, of how much he's grown since the whole Nick Young thing and being on the Lakers to coming to Brooklyn, having... I, like took a year to grow over there, and then last year was just like a giant step forward for him. Um, you know, I, I, as like a net, fan, I don't know, I don't know if that'd be that'd be kind of tough to let him go. I don't know. That's you know, that's my yeah, thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I I would agree. I mean, it, it it's it's not going to be an easy deci- decision for Sean Marks. Um, you know, Kenny Atkinson seems to love D'Angelo Russell. His teammates love him. He loves, you know, he, he, he's been praiseworthy of the organization. He's been praiseworthy of his teammates. And to give you an idea how tight-knit that organization is, uh, the, their, the Nets G League team plays at the, at the Nassau Coliseum where the New York Islanders play their home games. It's about maybe a 30-minute drive from Brooklyn out there, you know, 30, 45 minutes if, if you're not hitting traffic. And during the G League playoffs, you had uh, D'Angelo Russell out there. You had Joe Harris. You had Karis LeVert. You had uh, Jarrett Allen. You had guys out there supporting and celebrating the, the Long Island Nets' success. And I think that that's a... Uh, that tells you a lot about the character of those people, but also the kind of character they're developing within that organization. Um, but to that end, yeah, I mean, you look at, you look at D'Angelo, he's 20, 21, 22, and he had a the year that he had. I, I, I would be reluctant to want to let him go, but um, especially if, let's say you... Maybe you add, maybe they add a Tobias Harris because he's someone who's been linked to the Nets. Okay, he's not going to cost you all that much. He's not going to cost you, he's only going to cost you money, but he's not going to cost you a player off your roster. And I think he might be an upgrade as a stretch, as a stretch four, and you could still keep Jarrett Allen at the five. Yeah, I think. I think if you were able to even keep D'Angelo Russell and then sign Tobias Harris, it's still that's an upgrade for that team. And that team takes another step forward where they're either second round or even like uh, a conference finals team. Just because with the growth, and like you said, I had mentioned before, that how like it sounds like they're a tight knit group and how well they're grown together. I think that plays in team chemistry. And then you add another superstar that hopefully f- flows into that chemistry that this team. That's a team that I can see as a threat stepping forward. And then they did play. They played Philadelphia hard. And I love this series because they were hard-nosed, talking trash to each other. I mean, I miss that kind of NBA where like we don't really have that now. So it was nice to see that. 
And then they weren't afraid of Philadelphia, which was like another thing too to see a young team like that come out into the playoffs and just be so hard nosed and strong minded and willing to stand toe to toe of someone that's supposed to be a contender. Yeah, and and a lot of that goes back to, and uh, I'm going I'm I'm going to screw up his name, uh, Dudley. Uh, he's a reserve. Oh, Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. He yep. didn't. He didn't back down from those guys, and and I and especially going right after Jimmy Butler and going after Joel Embiid. It's, I think it was in Game Five, Game Four, Game Five when they they had that little skirmish. I think that was a huge thing for the Nets because you know up to that point the Sixers were kind of laughing at them. You know they were they were laughing about Joel Embiid elbowing Jarrett Allen in the face. And not getting and kind of getting away with it. Now all of a sudden you have Jared Dudley saying, "You're not going to get away with that." You know, we're we're going to push back against you a little bit. Yeah, and, and I think that's huge for them. Yeah, that that's huge. You need, I think, that veteran presence as well. Like I think that helped him out right there with Jared Dudley and just had that like hard nose. Is like, no, we don't we don't take that here. Like we have to we have to stand up for ourselves. And I think Philly might have been caught off guard with that. It's kind of like being an underdog in a boxing match, and you get caught with a left hook, and you're not you're not expecting that at all. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it, it's not it's not a great comparison, but it's Buster Douglas versus Tyson. Where Buster Douglas, when he first caught Tyson, yeah, yeah. all all of a sudden Tyson's invincibility kind of got shattered a little bit because up to that point, Tyson you couldn't touch Tyson. Yeah, that's right. And then all of a sudden. Oh, you can hit Tyson, and he feels it. And I think that became, that became a thing. Uh, and I think if you look the way the second round went down for Philly, I mean, yes, they lost on a game seven on a buzzer beating three, but I don't think going into the series, I mean, people, people, I don't think I think people looked at Philly as the favorite, and Toronto played them tough the entire way, and. And blew them out in a couple of games. So I, I, whatever invincibility or aura the Sixers had, I I wonder if the Nets didn't uh, put a hole in, in in that aura, puncture a hole in that aura. I think I think they did. I think they kind of uh, hurt their pride a little bit by being able to stick around with them because I felt like the the Nets for a while were like a bit of the laughing stock of the league with that deal with Boston for a while, yeah. and then, like having to rebuild and not being able to get anybody. And then I think getting that, like, just being able to make the making the playoffs, I think they surprised a lot of people. And then, then being able to contend against Philadelphia, I think Philadelphia's pride got hurt on that one. I I think that I think so too. And and here's the th- thing, you know, people will talk about the only way to rebuild properly in a cap league like like the NBA or like the NHL is to tank and get top five draft picks. Well, the Nets have, pr- have proven that to be completely wrong. Yeah. Um, because after the, uh, a- after the trade with the Celtics, they, they didn't have high first round picks. They were drafting late first rounds, you know, and you get guys like Jarrett Allen and you, you kind of use your scouting staff to find guys in Europe or find guys like Joe Harris. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, they got a little something here, and then as the year went on, it's like okay, they they hit on they hit on their hit on these guys. So I think it, the it becomes a case of having a smart scouting staff, having a smart analytics office, and being able to find undervalued, underappreciated kind of players that fit fit what you want to do. Yeah, I think that coaching staff, that development staff. Everyone on that, the Brooklyn's have done a great job of just building a great staff and then bringing in the players that they need to develop those players and turning it into such great, like turning into such like quick turnarounds and great, like they turned out to be like great players. Like Spencer Dinley was a great one. And Kavaris Levert is also another great one that came out. Of, like I felt like yeah. those guys are just, um, well, you know, I, we're, we're pretty good. And all of a sudden they kind of, I feel like they took a, a good step in their career, and I think it's all because of the developmental staff of the Nets, and as long and with the coaching, I think Kenny Atkinson's probably one of the most underrated coaches. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe amongst fans and uh, and media, but you know, people around the league when they came into the building and came into Barclays Center to play the Nets, everyone had nothing but good things to say about Kenny Atkinson. You know, people, were, Mike Budenholzer said he should be in the, he should be the coach of the year. Yeah, he really should. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I, I, I think Kenny's getting, uh, getting his his due credit now and now the 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 trick for them will be okay can they take this can they take a step forward next year yeah and and be be more than an eight seed and be more than a 42 win team because now uh now everyone's going to be gunning for them a little bit yeah i think once you start to make it on the map i think the team's starting to realize it but i think I think they have. The, I think they have what it takes, and we'll see what free agency takes them too. It's going to be a very interesting free agency for them, for both the Nets and the Knicks, because all the numer- rumors swirling. Yeah. The one it's like, um, it's kind of crazy. Um, what are your thoughts? Also, on speaking of free agency, like, what are your thoughts on Kimball Walker? Do you see him going to the Knicks or anything like that? I know this has been a lot of rumors swirling around him, um, possibly going to Dallas, but New York might want him because he's a hometown kid. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I had heard the Lakers are interested in him. Um, I feel like the uh, Lakers are interested in everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I, I think every Laker fan thinks they're going to get someone. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, the, the Lakers are interested in everyone. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm Kimball Walker, I'm not necessarily sure I would want to sign with the Knicks only because I'm coming from Charlotte where I haven't had much in the way of a chance of competing in the playoffs. And I still think the Knicks are at least a year away, you know, depending on what they do in free agency. (coughs) And I think I would want to go to a place where I could have a chance to be on a playoff team. And, you know, mentioning Dallas, you you got Doncic, you got presumably a healthy Porzingis. You have some pieces there that okay, I can play with these guys, and we could potentially, you know, get into the playoffs. Or so that that's kind of my thought process as far as uh, Kemba Walker goes. Yeah, I. I would like to see. I'm a big fan of Kimba Walker. I mean, watching him play at UConn, so I'd hopefully like to see him go to a winning team. Um, you know, I, he's he's a great player, and he's definitely taking steps forward. Um, and just, what are your th- thoughts on like Al Horford leaving the Celtics? Like, like, do you think where do you think he goes? Do you think I I can kind of see him going to a Houston surprisingly because I think he fits that system if Houston can. Uh, make up some cat space there. Yeah, I, I could see him in Houston. Um, I, th- I think losing Horford is, uh, will be a, will be a bigger blow to them than losing Kyrie yeah. because Horford is a guy you, you really didn't need to run specific plays for. <coughs> he's to me, he's a little bit like a bigger, uh, Draymond green where he can get his, his baskets, maybe, you know, cleaning up, uh, you know, on putbacks or, you know, a quick post up here or there. But it's not like, okay, I have to get him the ball every single possession. He, He's a good complimentary scorer. Uh, and he can, he defends well, he rebounds well. So I, to me, I, I think he's, he's going to be, his loss will be felt pretty significantly by the Celtics. Yeah, I, um, I don't know what that says about the organization and what was going on. I know we've heard some, I heard some rumors about it was Gordon Hayward starting and playing over the younger players. Um, but I'm not sure what that means for the front office. I'm not like not too sure what was going on there. But I think anyone that signs Al Horford, like I think Horford would be a good fit with Houston because he actually passes the ball and he can move the ball and he can find he's like a good he's a good all around player. And like you said, I think yeah. that a big, big blow to the Celtics because, like you said, you don't need to run anything through him. And, like, he doesn't he doesn't demand the ball. But, like, I with him, he fits perfectly. I think 
And I think, like, uh, James Harden would feed well off of him. Or, like, I see him possibly going to the Clippers if the Clippers sign a Kawhi or someone like that. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Plus, he's a guy, he's been around the league for so long that he's respected that if he says something in a room, guys aren't going to push back against him. Yes. That's right. So, yeah, I, I think he's got value both as a, both in a tangible way and in an, and in an intangible way. Yeah. I agreed. I, I agree. Um, all right. So I have one, uh, one last question or two last questions here. And sure. we'll finish up. Um, I, so the, uh, where do you, where do you see your, what are your thoughts on where the Knicks will be at the end of free agency? I mean, I think to me, I, if I'm the Knicks, and I understand they have the money for two uh, max players, and I still think a slow rebuild is prob- probably the best way to go about it because, uh, and, and I know a lot of people speculated over the course of this past season that the plan was draft, uh, finish with the worst record in the league, which they did, Get the first overall pick, which they didn't do. Uh, draft sign, which they couldn't do. And then sign Kyrie and Durant and compete for a championship next year. Okay, in th- that all sounds great in theory, but... Um, you know, it, sound- it sounds great in theory, but you're also not factoring in that other teams are going to make moves. and uh, Or other teams may have pieces already in place that you know you know can equal what Kyrie and Durant bring you know looking at Milwaukee Giannis would probably play Durant to a standstill yeah I feel so and then then you start looking at Milwaukee's depth and you're saying okay their depth might be better than than the Knicks depth um so to me I I think what the plan should be what they should do is Keep drafting, keep developing, and signing guys like a Jarrett Dudley um, because the young guys that the Knicks have—Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Damian Dotson, Alonzo Trier—they're going to need to learn from experienced NBA vets on how to handle life in the NBA, you know, and and how to. Both on and off the court. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, to me, I would rather have those kind of guys in my organization kind of mentoring my young guys than trying to shoot for the moon. That's Yeah, those are all great points. I I definitely agree. I think getting a – building a young team, and I think they have the right pieces to do it now, especially you can build around – and R.J. Barrett, a Kevin Knox, and a Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, a Kevin Knox, sorry, and a, a, a Dennis Smith Jr. I think you're looking at a, a pretty bright future for that team. Um, you know, if they get a, another, at least another lottery pick or two, and then bring in some veteran players that are willing to mentor those young guys that actually they need it. So, you know, I think those are all great points that you made there. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, going back to the Nets for a little bit. You know, uh, let's see. D'Angelo Russell was what in a third year, fourth year, maybe. Yeah, he's a young guy, but you, you look at—I mean, you look at some of the guys that they had in that organization that he that helped mentor. You know, Jarrett Dudley, Demar Carroll, um, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You know, those guys may not be great players, but they helped mentor the young guys, and yeah. they helped create a culture within that team that everyone supports everyone. And I think that's really huge. Yeah, I agree. I think having the team chemistry and to be able to, like, if you have a superstar or, you know, an all-star, someone like a D'Angelo Russell that just needs that little bit of guidance, it does, I mean, look at a prime example of what it did for him this year and the and yeah. how much he's grown and, like, how much he's grown on and off the court. I mean, he's pretty much dead on the news. I mean, he had one little incident at the airport. But, I mean, that's not really anything too crazy. I You know, it wasn't, like, 
anything you hear in like any NFL or anything like that. I think he, I think it's it's great for them. I think the Nets look like look great, and you know, I'm curious to what see what they do in the off season, where they go, and their in their free agency path too. Yeah, it's going to be. This is going to be maybe the biggest summer for the Nets since the summer where they where they made the ill-advised trade with the Celtics for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Um, you know, at that time, the people that were in the organization thought uh, Garnett and Pierce could help that what they had in place with uh, Deron Williams make a jump in the East where they could compete with uh, the Le- LeBron James Heat. Yeah. And they thought they had, they thought they had to shoot for the moon and it completely just, it just didn't work out. And, yeah. and it set the organization back a few years. Yeah. I think they're going in the right direction with everything. Um, whether they get Kyrie and Durant or the, whether they don't and get D'Angelo Russell back and sign someone else to play another big agent name, like a Tobias Harris, like you mentioned before, I think they're all, they're heading in the right direction and I think they look great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, like I said, I, I think they're on the right track. And I think this year, this, this season upcoming, is it, going to be very interesting for them. Just because now, now they go from being the hunter to a little bit of the hunted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But All yeah, right. I, all right. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. But yeah, like I said, I, th- I think they're on the right track. I, you know, they're they're, and I think they have very smart people and within the organization, and they're trying to be a cutting edge organization. You know, as far as having sports science people and analytics people, and they uh they they want people, they want everyone to feel that there is a that they have a voice in the in this organization, and I think that's important. That's huge, yeah. I think that plays and that comes. That's that's a big thing too, and I think it it's definitely going to help them down the road. And I like you said I, earlier before, I think they're kind of a prime example of you don't have to rebuild for the draft. You know, you build through um, players that can guide the younger players, and with their pickups that they've had with a couple younger, like signing De- like getting a trade for DeAndre Russell. I think they're on. I think they showed the league that there there's different ways to just than just rebuilding through the draft. Yeah, it's, it's you know, the draft is important, don't get me wrong, but you don't necessarily need top five picks every year. You have to, you, you, you can find players in trades, you can find players in the mid to later rounds, uh, a smart free agent signing here or there. You know, you don't need to, blow it up and start over every three to five years just because that's the that's the popular thinking. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. I think that's NBA is a copycat league and I feel like that's gonna be I um I, I say I can see a couple teams copying the their method, the Nets method of the way of working. Especially the way how they it's it's kind of crazy how quickly they flipped out of the from what they had with the Durant, uh, with the Garnett and Pierce trade, looking like they were going to be done for a long time. To I don't know within, you know, that span. Even not even getting those lottery picks from 2017 and 18. You know, it's 2019 now. That's a good six six year turnaround. Which with a team, I think a lot of people would expect them to turn around for another 10, 10 years, 10, 15 years. Yeah, and I mean, to me, look at the. Uh, well, I don't know if you've ever if you read it or not, but Eric Malinowski wrote a book called Beta Ball about how uh, and it's about the Golden State Warriors. And if you look at the Warriors drafts, you know, uh, Steph Curry was the seventh overall pick. He wasn't a top pick. Klay uh, Thompson, 11th overall, I believe, wasn't yeah. a top pick. Uh, Draymond Green, second round pick. Yep. So they found guys, but you know it wasn't like okay, we're going to go zero and eighty two, get the first overall pick, and take this guy, 
and we have our cornerstone people. They, they, they drafted well, and they added elements into that organization. You know, they have a huge analytics department. They have a sports science department. They, they are probably the preeminent organization in sports right now. Yeah. So, and, and everyone in that organization, as Eric wrote, has, has a voice, you know, if, if they can find, if they have an idea that can make something work better, they want to hear it. It's not just uh, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and everyone else shuts up and gets out of the way. Yeah. Every, every, everyone in the organization feels empowered to offer an idea. And I think that's huge. Yeah, that's, that's the big thing. And then, like you said, the Nets are going in that direction. Yes. Which is like that makes anybody feel comfortable working for a team like that. And it makes you feel a part of it. And I think that's what's like, and had mentioned before that, like even the younger guys, how they make the Long Island Nets guys feel part of the team by going to see their, their games. You know, I think that's, that's a big community that the Nets are building, are building a, a, a community of confidence within each other and trust within each other. Yeah. And again, because they're all a part of the same family, right? You know, and I think that's a huge thing because, you know, it would it would be really easy for guys like D'Angelo Russell and Jarrett Allen and Karis LeVert and Joe Harris and uh, Jarrett Dudley and all these guys to say, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to go out to Long Island. You know, we have a game tomorrow. I, I need to get my rest. Or we're just we just came off a eight game road trip. I don't want to get out there. They went out there. They were celebrating with those guys. They, they treated those guys like they were, like they were members of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. You know, and again, it's it's developmental league. It's you know, there's twenty five hundred people in the Nassau Coliseum watching these watching the game, and the net and the Brooklyn Nets are sitting courtside. I think that sends a message to the guys in the G League that okay, we're all we're all pulling on the same rope you know we're all trying to get better together yeah and that builds a confidence within those guys and especially if they have to call on those guys up from the long island nets to play it yeah. makes it makes them feel better because they're like oh, like i d'angelo's see me play and like it makes them feel more welcome than this like hey i'm like i just show i'm just showing up out of the blue it's like <laughs> you know it's it's like when you're not like when you're just going to a party and you don't know anybody, you're actually going to a party and you know people, so you're not standing in the corner awkwardly. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like the b- best example was Theo Pinson. Uh, they they signed him last year uh, after he, he went undrafted. I think he went undrafted. Yeah. But I know they called him up a couple times, and if your guy Theo Pinson, okay, you have D'Angelo Russell at your games. He's celebrating with you he's he's pumping you up okay now you get called up because they have an injury okay i if i'm theo pinson i feel comfortable because i know that d'angelo russell you know knows who i am and he's happy for my success and that these other guys are happy for me and these other guys that these guys are supporting me and i think that's that's so incredibly huge yeah, it's that's that's big, and that brings in confidence, and I think that this shows what the Nets are doing. And then hopefully, whoever they sign in free agency, and you know, like a Kyrie Irving or someone, continues to do that, um, continues to keep that up, because I think that brings Brooklyn back into that. It helps those guys out, and it doesn't show that it's just a me. They're a we. Yeah, I, and I think that's a, that's a huge part. And the one thing is, I think. If if it's a Kyrie Irving or or Kevin Durant or both or or Tobias Harris or whatever the permutations are, those guys are coming into a culture that if it's not set, it's being developed. And I think it's going to be important for those guys to understand and accept the culture that's already in place. That's right. Yeah, I and I hope so because you know we have Kyrie had we had his. The Boston Star has problems this year of uh, yeah. being on and off and weird about the younger guys on the team and saying that they need to play harder and step up. 
But I, hopefully he comes into a team, a situation. I like Kyrie. I think he's a good player. Um, I just, I would like, hopefully finds a good, I hopefully if Brooklyn signs him, he's a good fit for them. Yeah, I mean, th- th- and that's that's the, you know, $100 million uh, question that Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson have to, uh, have to answer. Can this guy, because I, mean, I think everyone knows what kind of player he is. Yeah. Like he can step in and be, I mean, he, he's a top, when he's fully healthy, he's a top 10 player in the league, no question. But can he work within your culture? Um, obviously, the, it was a little awkward there at the end in Cleveland uh, with him and LeBron. This year in Boston, as you said, wasn't smooth at all. You know, is he a guy that, you know, can come into an organization um, you know, kind of meld his talents into what they have in place, you know, on and off the court. And can that, that can that meld go be smooth? Can, can it be, can it be seamless? If it is great, if it's not, then, then there's going to be some questions that are going to be asked. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I hope it's, I, you know, I hope with Brooklyn will move that they make, it's smooth and seamless for them because it's, you know, they are going, I feel like they're heading in the right direction. I would hopefully in my mind, I'd hopefully like to see him sign back to D'Angelo Russell because I think he was a perfect fit for that team. But, you know, on paper, Kyrie and Kevin Durant seem like a good pickup as well too. Oh, sure. Right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's hard to argue with arguably the best player in basketball in Kevin Durant and a top 10 player in Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Sure, it's you know, <laughs> it's, you know that, that, that's, th- those guys aren't bad pieces to build around either. No, no, definitely not. I don't know if I would, would want them on Boston. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it should be an interesting offseason. I have one last question for you, then I'll let you go. It's been great. I, I think I could talk basketball with you all day if I had the opportunity sure. to. Um, Kawhi Leonard, where do you think he goes? He stays, or do you think he goes to the Clippers? Or well, anyone out there. I mean, I think he stays in Toronto. I mean, to me, A, it's a that's a market that fully embraced him and the Raptors, and they had that run that they had. They get to the finals, and Toronto became, maybe for the first time, a basketball town, which is cool. I think it's great, because obviously, when you think of Toronto... You think of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You think of hockey. So, <clears throat> but when but so seeing, you know, thousands of people packing um, Maple Leaf Square to watch the Raptors on big screen TVs. If they can't, if they couldn't get into the building, or when the game, or when, or when, when they were on the road, I think that's unbelievable. Was unbelievably cool. Yeah, that's. I, I used to. I kind of make fun of it because I used to be, because Toronto always used to get knocked out of the playoffs. They used to call it like the sad square or something like that. Because yeah. they used to, and then this year, it the commute, but like I would honestly, I would love to be a part of that and be there to experience it. Um, but just the the way they, the way he brought that team to the finals and what he did and how much people love him there just to yeah. bring them a championship, I it'd be hard not for him not to resign back, is right. Yeah, I think I think it'd be very hard not to resign there, just because it's like okay, because they because they also have guys coming up. Uh, Pascal Sikiam was pretty good in the playoffs. Yeah. Kyle Kyle Lowry is a good NBA point guard, no matter what people think. Um, yeah, and I think he had a better playoffs with him than he's ever had. I think he played yeah. so well off of Ka- Kawhi and how much he scored. Because I feel like there were. I think it was last year he had a game he didn't score any points. I think and that's this, and this year he was like a primary like he played he had some better games than Kawhi did. Yeah, and you know, and because people were so focused on Kawhi that for three quarters the other guys could um could could play their roles and in the fourth quarter Kawhi was kind of that Michael Jordan like closer. It's like, okay, you know, yeah. fourth quarter, he's getting the ball. He's going to score. He's going to get to the foul line, and you know. And defensively, you look at what he what he brought to that team defensively. 
he was they they became I believe the best defensive team in the league, and he's a, he was a big part of that. Yeah. Um, so, but all that said, uh, my friend Bruce Arthur, the Toronto, uh, the Toronto Star, wrote a column the other day, where he basically implored the people of Toronto to be cool when it comes to Kawhi, because you know now post NBA Finals, it's hey, you know we saw Kawhi at a Home Depot getting boxes, or <laughs> we saw him at a restaurant, we saw him yeah. at a Blue Jays game. It's like, dude, it's like, calm down. You know, this is. <laughs> You don't need to treat him, you know. You know, you don't need to stalk this dude. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's like that guy that was carrying around the plant, looking for him to say he had like a welcoming plant for him or something like that. And yeah. In the parade, it's like, guys, you tone it down just a little bit. Don't don't get a little too obsessed with him. You know. Yeah. yeah. Because because th- there's a fine line between wanting the guy to stay and being creepy and causing someone to run away. And yeah. I'm not necessarily sure that some of what's being done isn't a little creepy. Yeah, I I've heard. Um, actually, I saw something yesterday come up alert. I'll come across my phone that the mayor of Toronto and I think it might have been Drake that said told people to also like to kind of back off of him and leave him alone, um, just so that he doesn't like get pushed away, kind of like type deal of just being over obsessed with him. Yeah, and I look, I, I get it. It's it's their first uh, non Blue Jays, non uh, Argos, non uh, whatever so- uh, 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 the MLS team or non lacrosse championship in in Toronto since the ninety two ninety three Blue Jays, and you know yeah you're walking on you're hyped about it and that's great but again there's a fine line between being hyped and excited and celebrating this and okay now you now you're coming across as you know being really desperate and being really kind of pushy and 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 creating kind of an awkwardness about it yeah yeah it gets to a point where it's like okay you guys just need to back like you said just kind of back off and hopefully this, that doesn't scare them away and then that's toronto fans fall if he goes away yeah unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately yeah i mean that that could play a role in it if you know if it's like you know you're taking pictures of him you know at a uh, Tim Hortons it's like <laughs> you know I, I I don't know I might not feel entirely comfortable. Yeah, the guy just wants to get a coffee and go home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh man! All right, well, Dennis, this was awesome. I can't thank you enough for coming on. You have I could honestly talk basketball with you all day. You're a great wealth of knowledge and. Uh, this is this has been awesome. Um, I would love to have you on again, uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Anytime you need me to come on, just say the word and I'll be there. Oh, that's awesome! I'm glad to hear that. And hopefully, I can make a trip up to where you are, and then maybe we can meet in person. That'd be great too. Yeah, that, that'd be terrific. Awesome. All right. Well, have a great day, Dennis. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and thank you so much again. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Anytime. All right. Thanks. Thanks. All right, that was our interview with Dennis Gorman. Great interview with Dennis. A lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to having him on. So that was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please give feedback about it. Please let me know how you felt about it. Uh, going forward, so now, well, first of all, we got some breaking news here. Uh, congratulations to Luka Doncic for winning Rookie of the Year. I know you're listening out here. Um, I know you're a big fan of the show. Also, congratulations to Giannis for the MVP of the league. Uh, hell of a year for that young man who took giant steps forward. And as you heard in uh, in the interview that Dennis and I talked about Giannis and how much how much his game has changed and how much how great he can be if he just develops that jump shot. Um, but we're also going to just quickly touch upon free agency news, and I will let you guys go. I hope you guys have been enjoying this so far. Um, free agency news: Kyrie and KD met twice. Oh my god. Let's see what's happening. I don't know what's going to happen there. And I heard KD is actually pissed off at the Warriors about his injury, which is very interesting. So I wonder if they forced him to play or told him he was okay to play and he didn't know that he was going to rupture his Achilles. Or did he force his way back? And you know, there's two sides of the story. So I'm very interested to hear the rest of that story and what comes out. 
about that. But for him and Kyrie to be meeting right now and to see where they're going to go, they met once in uh, San Francisco and then they met again in uh, New York. It'd be interesting to see if those two guys actually do team up and where they end up going. Um, it should be a lot of fun. I mean, once Katie's healthy, we just don't know how healthy he's going to come back. That's a tough injury to come back from. A lot of guys who come back from the injury don't come back the same. But even though if you get a Katie at like a 75% the rest of his career, you're still getting a great player. And a Kyrie hopefully can get his act together. Um, you know, he's a guy that came in the high hopes to Boston. He wanted his own team, but he hated Boston for some reason. I don't know what we did to him. Um, but he just talked a lot. A trash about the young players and if they sign with Brooklyn hopefully he doesn't do that um but we'll see what happens you know it's gonna be a very interesting offseason with these two guys especially at the helm of everyone's talks um another thing that's also going on it's a weird situation in Houston that's been happening super weird situation to be honest um there's a lot of Chris Paul rumors that Chris Paul doesn't want to be there doesn't like James Harden uh wants to coach James Harden James Harden looks at him like man you can't beat me um, so it's very an interesting situation because Chris Paul is the one who's like, no, 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 that's, that's not happening. That's not what's going on. Is the one that's nixing it. Could do a little bit better saying, like, I never said anything. I love James. But, you know, just saying stuff like that. So it's very interesting. It sounds like Houston wants to get rid of him. I'm not too sure. Or the Houston media just wants to get rid of him. But it's very interesting to hear two different perspectives, two different sides of what's going on in the story. Um, it's... It'd be an interesting. It's interesting what's going on down in Houston with the Chris Paul situation. Hopefully, you know if they do trade him, they get something back, or they make some free agency room to get a uh, Jimmy Butler, Al Horford. But we'll see what's going on. That we'll see what happens. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy the show and good night. <laughs>